0: Hello everyone and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock. Colin Doyle also along for the ride as always. Now, um, Toronto Rock big win, eleven ten. Only win. a goal, only a goal, but a big win. Um,
1: how how can in this is sports? Yep. How can two one goal wins look so how drastically are you doing, different? Mike, I'm good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. You know. what <laughs>
0: i'm good and yes exactly we should get right into this and and how these two no no before we get started i'm gonna tell you something go ahead
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna cut you off when i need to (laughs) i listen to my which is
0: right at the start of the show i listened to
1: the first part like my first podcast ever so i was in the car somebody you know boss showed me how to set up a podcast i did so and uh evidently you can listen to them in your car and i did (laughs) yeah and i have a couple of questions uh Number one, why do we pause for breaks, you and I, when we're doing this, when there's really no break in the podcast? It just kind of rolls right into the next thing. So, like, there's no commercials or anything. Why can't we? Oh, no, I do- just
0: play the little bumper music, right? It, because it's usually broken up by an interview.
1: Okay, I got right? you. It, it, Which brings me to my next point. It truthfully
0: I think- is a small break. There's a much longer break in terms of when we actually record this.
1: So we're changing direction. So we give it a break. We start something. Yeah. Okay. I, just I respect. Just throw a little
0: that. jam in there. If you have any musical preferences you'd like to throw in. Uh, let well, me there, know. that brings me to my next point let because,
1: quite frankly, I think we should have a musical theme every week. I love music. and okay. As much as I love that song, Can't Stop the Rock, I think it, you know, maybe you and I discuss, uh, we'll discuss a the theme of the game, of the rock game that week, what we thought, and we'll okay. just maybe have some music that plays to that. Maybe <laughs> we could add that. I think the people would like it.
0: Yeah. I, I'd like to keep. Can't stop The Rock at the beginning and the end of the show.
1: We agree to disagree.
0: But in the middle, all the bumpers between all the interviews.
1: Do we need Free reign. Do we need any licensing for that? Can we just put any music on we, we can want? We throw it on there. It's That's fantastic. a little bumper.
0: We're not profiting off this.
1: I'm going to... You're not? No, we're not. No. no. Oh, There's boy.
0: no paid anything in here. No. Well, this will
1: be my last podcast. Hey, That's a fact. Oh, boy. All anyway, right, yes. Right. Back to yep. the game. And, and so, like I said, before you start... Okay. It's it's so interesting that two one-goal wins can look so drastically different. Over yes. to
0: you. <laughs> Over to me. I, I agree with you. Um, and I think the feeling after the games would have been very different. Not only did they look different, I'm sure they felt different to everybody that was involved. I think everybody probably felt much better about themselves after the Colorado game. Than they did after the Philadelphia game?
1: That would be a sign of a great team. Okay. But if they both felt the same to the team, then there would be some concern. Now, you and I don't know that. We don't know. You might know I don't know. I don't know what the feeling was after Philly. I don't know what the feeling was after this one. But, yes, if they knew they got away with one last week and they knew they really played well this week and should have beat that team worse, then, yeah, it's a sign of a great team. And they rebounded well. I really beat them up last week over their effort and, you know, to me, they showed up really well this week, and uh, I, I thought had a tremendous road game. I really thought they were good. I, I had a hard time in my good, bad, and the ugly segment. I had a hard time finding the bad. Um, truly wasn't there, in my opinion. So they played a really good game.
0: Yeah, and when I, you, know, when you talk about that they could have won that game by a larger margin and maybe put it away earlier, maybe really early, um, I did talk to, and Matt Sawyer, we can get into this uh, more with him, as he will be one of our two guests here on the show today. Um, I, I did ask him right after the game when I was grabbing some quotes from him just about, you know, was there that seed of doubt was starting to creep in? Was it going, were things, not going in the wrong way on the bench, but you know what I mean by, were the was the level of confidence starting to go down a little bit in the fact that they had so many good chances, so many great looks in the first probably five minutes of the game, and Dylan Ward I think, showed early how he was going to play for the whole night. And and then you realize that you're in for a bit of a fight, I think, when the game started the way it did. But he said, you know, his team, they, the guys, they kept, you know, they stuck with the plan. They kept going. They kept pushing. And even though the results weren't there, they had hoped, obviously, they were going to be there. And in the end, everything did work out. But I think Matt,
1: Matt can – I think we'll let him kind of put that into his own words, but um, – We're going to let – Matt lie to us and tell us that he wasn't concerned at all right as that game went on because I've been in that position and, and you, you start to work. <laughs> oh you are darn right you're concerned everybody's right. concerned wait listen we're all playing this team by a country mile you look yeah. up at the board you're up one you're tighter you're down one and yeah. you wonder okay at what point are the floodgates can open here and when they don't I cannot believe that that does not start to weigh on you. Those are just uh, yeah. those are window dressing quotes. You say the right thing, but you know I'll ask Matt himself. But maybe he doesn't sweat it like I did. I know I would be panicking, big time. Really? Yeah. Well, sure. You don't want to waste a great effort like that, and it certainly weighs on you as the game goes on. It's sports. That's what happens.
0: So do you start to change?
1: No, what you were doing. Wait, hopefully not. They didn't, yeah. and it proved well for them. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you do, and then maybe you start pushing it, and you get individual on the offense and the defense starts to leak a little early try to create a chance and boom you're down two so you can see it and we'll probably have this discussion before the year's out it will probably happen it happens to everyone but uh they did do a great job so whether they believed it or not or whether matt was lying to us or not the fact of the matter is <laughs> we'll they did out. stick with their plan because they were the same team in the first that they were in the fourth and they got you know they got finally got a little bit of cash for it so good on them They they really stuck with their game plan
0: and I think, you know, as we saw in the Philadelphia game, uh, Schreiber and Jones were the guys that obviously did the goal scoring when it was necessary. Rob Hellier, I think, is the guy, obviously, that came through against Colorado. Um, do we want to get into your, your segment here on this? And the
1: Are we good, bad, and good this week, or are we good, bad, and we're, ugly? We're even better. Just let me read it here. I've got the good, and yeah. I crossed out bad, and I put – nitpicking because like I said there wasn't a lot of bad. So I put a couple of points down that maybe if we're looking for something to fix, we'll discuss it. And then we've got the great. So it's the good, the nitpick, and the bad and the great this week. Okay. Want me to get into it? Yeah, let's jump into it. All right, start with the good. Faceoffs. We talked about this yep. first week one. Uh they went fifteen for twenty five I believe overall, but where it made a difference was every time they scored we answered back because we got the ball right away and we were allowed I think on three different occasions to get two goals within 30 seconds and those momentum swings were so important for this game in the years past if they don't have that ball Colorado can bang two in a row and then you're chasing the game then you get out of your game plan so I think that was really really relevant in this game so they did a great job the defense (coughs) sorry the offense i misplaced an O for a D there. Offense, this is the way they're built to win. Spread out the scoring, uh, less turnovers. They had 14 against Buffalo, 19 against Georgia, 25 against Philly, and we beat up on them last week. They had 13 this week, so their best effort, and it showed. They didn't get run on a ton, and they didn't give up good chances going the other way. And they were aggressive. Robbie Hellyer, in particular, every time he had the ball was a threat. And when him and Tom Schreiber touched the ball, you watch defenses, all five players are looking at them. And that's when good opportunities are created uh same with adam so i think they were aggressive and they went after the game so kudos to the offense i thought they were fantastic um great defense uh we did a good job we did a good job in transition i thought we ran the ball well and to be honest with you i thought uh i thought we trapped them a lot at center which was neat i don't know if that was in the game plan or not but it was obvious on two of our goals on the Sorensen goal for sure but Colorado did a real poor job getting it over center and literally standing still and looking to get it to an old guy. And like I said, if they caught that in film and the Rocks' plan was to exploit that, they did a really good job of it because not only did they create two, the turnovers into scoring chances, but uh, it really put some of their defenders in awkward spots. If we get into the nitpicking here, uh, we, gave up, we gave up some goals at bad times. I think we gave up one at the end of the half, one at the end of the quarter. Uh, we know now that Rosie, Rosie is not a loose ball hound; he's a stopper. <laughs> and so, if, if what do I'm you thinking, what,
0: what's the better play in that situation? You just stay in your net.
1: Well, easy for us to say. Well, right? that's what I mean. Like when, Rosie when is a, out.
0: and Rosie, I think he was roaming around the office here today, and he did mention something about it because Colorado had pulled their goalie, I think, right.
1: The play itself was very weird because as I watched it on TV, I could see Ward going to the bench. But yeah. then I can see Colorado forcing the ball up the bench side like they were trying to push something quickly. Yeah. And then, you know, so I didn't understand, maybe there was miscommunication if they were trying to catch Toronto in transition, then that's one thing, but I don't know why you'd bring your goalie out because it just seemed really strange to me. They may not have been on the same page because naturally if there's I think there's about 20 seconds, maybe maybe yeah. more. And you slow it down, you get your goalie out, you set up a play and you go. But it seemed like they were really pushing the ball. So I don't know what the right play is. Uh, Nick saw it better than than I did. Uh, You know, indecisiveness cost him there, I'm sure. He'll probably never do it again. He'll either go get it right away or he won't go get it at all. So not for me to say what the better play is. It ended up in the back of our net. It could have cost us. Uh, The Banesh goal at the end of the half could have cost us. So again, maybe we clean that up a little bit. And I think the... uh, the secondary scoring was better, but I still think we have to get more out of Danny Littner. Really good job by Dan Craig to get a goal, big one, and hopefully that helps his confidence. We've got to get a little more out of him offensively, and I think Johnny can do more offensively as well. Now, that being said, I thought it was a really good offensive game, and there are going to be nights where those guys don't score. But I think somehow or another we've got to find a way – They've gotta find a way to stick some in the back of the net, these guys. And as they as they do, their confidence will grow. So if we're nitpicking, that's what we're talking about there. I won't normally do this, but under my great column, I have uh, Dylan Ward's performance. We're gonna give some love to the other team. He was fantastic. In my opinion, this game isn't even close, if, he, uh, if he's not in net. Our power play was fantastic. We ended up one for three, but if you watch the first two power plays, we had movement, we had crease, we had cutters. We had uh, Dylan Ward going in 10 different directions. We just didn't stick. Uh, I thought we had five great scoring chances on the first one. And if they continue to do that, we're gonna get more looks and more goals on our power play. So I really liked it. And then of course we got the big one from Craig on the power play uh, late in the game. So kudos to the power play. They made a cu- couple of changes and I thought they were really good. Our defense is trending in the right direction. I feel like this is the third week in a row we've talked about our defense. I think we gave up two extra men, attackers, two transition, and then I've got 5-5-on-5. Five, five five. Uh, and I know that doesn't equal 10, but I don't know where the other one came from. But by my count, we just didn't give up great chances. I mean, uh, Rosie was good, didn't have to be great. I can't remember saying to myself, we've really got to clean things up because we're giving up too many chances. They were fantastic. So um, if this defense keeps holding the way they are, then it's going to be a fantastic season. They were really good. That being said, they got the best offense, one of the top two offenses coming to town this weekend, so they're going to get tested. And I hope we're sitting here next week saying that defense held out again because they were awesome. You mentioned Brock Sorensen in there and his goal. Um,
0: He seems to be, I think, at different times, I think, so far through the early part of the season, becoming a little bit more noticeable in terms of, I think, making plays, causing turnovers. In this case, I think – getting some more chances up the floor. Maybe you don't always want him with some of these chances up the floor. But, again, I thought um, – I, I think he's becoming a little bit more noticeable this year. I don't know what it is. But um, it's, giving, giving the team a little bit more, I guess, of what you kind of hope in that package, so to speak, when you've got a big, strong guy like that that you know – Does have a little bit of skill that can potentially put the ball on the net once in a while. And he's, you know, he did that
1: almost on his own uh, on Saturday night. It seems to me they're giving him a little bit more leeway to kind of go out and explore. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I could count it probably six times that I remember him literally waiting at center. And, you know, like his six foot six frame or whatever it is, he's got good takeaway ability and he's strong. And, you know what, if you don't have a game plan coming over center and that's waiting for you, He's going to create havoc. Yeah. So it feels like they've kind of let him explore a little bit more up the floor. And sometimes, of course, uh, it'll cost you sometimes. But with his athletic ability and his skill set, I think that's a good thing for him to do. And it certainly paid off. That was a gorgeous goal he scored down there or out there. So, yeah, I've certainly noticed it. And I feel like uh, if they can get get a healthy season out of him, you know, it can make a real big difference for us because he's great defensively when he wants to be. He's got great takeaway ability. He's great on loose balls, and he can score. So he started off the season really well.
0: The other guy you mentioned in there, Dan Lintner, Um, you know, the Rock go with three righties offensively pretty well uh, every game, and they have done that so far this year. But it was kind of a bit of a philosophy change maybe partway through last season that uh, three righties was kind of the way to go. Um, He does a lot, I guess, that doesn't show up in the score sheet. He works probably as hard as anybody, but – um how many do you need like what's the magic number even at the end of the season if you're going to say do you need do you need 17 goals do you need 20 goals do you need 25 goals out of dan lintner by the end of the season
1: um what is that number
0: because last year i think he finished with 18 and 10
1: well you need a championship and this is where stats get skewed i don't think it matters how many he scores it's going to matter when he when. scores. Yeah. And he needs to burn teams when they are super focused on Robbie and Tom. And he needs to create space for Robbie and Tom, which he's doing a very good job of. Look, it's hard to, to beat Danny up right now because he's doing so many things right. But the fact of the matter is by, by exposing uh, Hickey in the draft, the team, the management said to Danny, look, this is your job. And they believed in him. And I think Danny had gone through a couple of years kind of fighting for that fourth spot. And, uh, you know, it takes a toll on your confidence. It, it certainly does because you're always unsure of if what you're doing is good enough and in and out of the lineup, it's a difficult position to be in. So I think, you know, if I can offer Danny any advice, it would be, he has tremendous ability and he can score. So he has to find a way to get over that hump mentally and start banging the ball in the net. And obviously the players around him will help him with that. But when he gets his chances, he starts putting these in, I think you'll see a whole different level with him. And I'm telling you right now, I do believe a three right set is what's best for this team. I've believed it for some time. If they can get him scoring and the inability to be able to double so freely to Tom and Robbie, Mm -hmm. it's going to create a lot of havoc. So I think he's just going through that. But I think the team did the right thing by giving him that role it's on him now to step up and we can't keep hiding from it Uh, you know the team can't hide from it they know they're going to need him what they're going to need from him we don't know yet but we're going to need big goals from him and he's got to be confident doing that so I think it's about him finding his confidence finding himself I think he will do it but I think some ownership of that has to fall on him and it's tricky when you're the third or fourth lefty or righty because again well what are the expectations is it a number is it is it a loose ball? Is it moving bodies? It, it's all those things, but ultimately, we've got to score in our chances. So, it's really going to make this offense truly unstoppable when he gets going. And I mean, look no further than some of the other teams that flow like that. Look at, look at what Saskatchewan's got in their three, four, five guys. Look at what George has gotten those guys, and they score. And they don't have to be this, the horses on the team, but they score when they get their chances. So he'll get there I do believe that same goes on the left side I think for Dan Craig and I think Dan's as his confidence grows um, he's such a good shooter he'll start chipping in more and more and again it's just only gonna help Adam it's only gonna help Johnny it's 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 gonna help so yeah before we jump into our guests here um, a couple
0: of funny moments from the game on Saturday did you happen to catch Steve Fryer losing his mind
1: I missed that on the too many men call. <laughs> Who did he lose it on?
0: Uh well, I guess it was in the direction of the officials, but um we, the rock had oh, six I, six guys on offense. I do remember that and absolutely. And he was just and I guess the uh sideline reporters, Mike must have been open and you just heard fryer going for about 10 seconds just Hard and fast, he was going at the officials and uh screaming too many men, and it was just clear as day that that it was Fryer going. So, anyways, I found that funny.
1: How did they miss that? Honest, I I don't know, very
0: true. Because I mean, I think the possession played out,
1: it certainly did. And (laughs) how how come we never got a better look?
0: And another one where the team may have had too many men on the floor, which we were I was just made aware of yesterday because this is not something you would have seen in the, on the broadcast, but everybody in the arena would have saw it, was at the start of the second half, Adam Jones. There's no direct, I guess, access dressing room to behind the bench in Colorado, so the players come across the floor from the corner and or come up from the corner, and... Uh, Jonesy, a little late coming up for the second half, decided to – I'm guessing he's got to get somebody to open
1: the door for him maybe. I, I don't know, but – I'm guessing not because there's no way an employee <laughs> would have opened it. I'm assuming he opened it himself and went on his way. So the play's, the play's in the
0: other end, and, and Jonesy just decided to trot across the floor during the third quarter while the play was
1: on. So We'll have to get him on here and find out what keeps him in the dressing rooms. So Yeah. Long. That's – Put that on your list, Mike.
0: But I would still like to know why he <laughs> you know, when didn't wait for the first media timeout. Like, at that point, you're kind of stuck where you are. And that that's where it's just like, I, I don't know, The it's kind of funny to think. You'd just be like, oh, okay, no, I can just run across the floor. I'm not involved in the play, so I'm not the extra. Like, there should have been a penalty on the play. But well, if you look at it this yeah.
1: way, Mike, I've got to wait with my beer in my aisle till I can go to my seat during the game, during the play. Right. But – I guess the players can just walk out there whenever they so choose. <laughs> so good on you, Jonesy. Maybe there's more to that story. Maybe he maybe he took the guy out down there and then yeah. went on his way. I don't know.
0: Interested to hear about it. All right, uh, we're going to take a short break here, and then we will welcome in uh, our first guest of the show. We've got uh, Matty Sawyer, head coach of the Toronto Rock, coming in, and we have also got rock defender Billy Hostrauser for his podcast debut.
1: Really looking forward to that. This
0: should be good. Stick with us. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access, Mike Hancock along with Colin Doyle, and we now welcome in studio for the first time ever on Toronto Rock Total Access, any version of the show over the years, this is the first time, it's the debut
1: for Toronto Rock Defender Billy Hostrauser. Billy, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on, Billy. Yeah. is a treat. When I... Got here today and didn't expect this. I'm very excited. It's <laughs> good. Um, so we've talked a little bit off the top of the show about uh, the
0: game on Saturday night in Colorado. Um, you know, you've played there a few times in your career, not a ton. I mean, the the Rock going into Saturday night had only ever played in Denver five times, anyways, and uh, just one win. So this was the team's second win ever in Denver. Um, maybe just talk about just your thoughts on the game and and we've talked a little bit about how you know dylan ward was playing so great early in that game and his play carried on in that same fashion throughout the rest of the game um any any extra added pressure on the defense in that situation when you see that the offense isn't uh, maybe cashing in with the success that uh, they should be given the opportunities they're getting and is there any more pressure on you guys to get uh, get those stops
2: uh no, not really. Uh, we just stepped, uh, kept to the game plan Brucey gave us, and uh, we knew they were eventually going to get the, the ball in the net. So, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. All else fails, you I guess you got to run Wordle, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 One in doubt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> May I, Mike? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely, Billy. I've always I've always liked you as a player. I still enjoy watching you play. What I love about you is that you're kind of a throwback to the old days. You know, <clears throat> you still hate the people you play against. Uh, You're a team-first guy, and you understand what it means to win. Where do you think you learned all that stuff from? Uh, Probably uh, in Orangeville. Yeah?
2: (laughs) Playing uh, my junior lacrosse there. Who would you play for? Who was your coach in junior? Uh, So I started off in junior B, and uh, Blaine Burnham was a coach there. And then I moved up after two years. I guess my third year of
1: junior. Matty Sawyer was a coach. And they breed this team-first mentality. Uh, win at all costs kind of – for those who don't know, the Orangeville Northmen w- is what we're talking about. And those coaches, they instilled in you those facts that you that you still hold today. Yeah, team first, family. That's good because for those of you listening, he truly is a throwback, and that's what I love about him. He's he's kind of a diamond in the rough nowadays. The game's changed so much and how people treat each other and everything else, but Billy's still a team first guy, and I think it's very – it's easy to admire that.
0: Well, let's go back to the junior stuff and even minor – Tell us a little bit about where you played minor, and even when you went into junior, was that something, you know, did you have aspirations to play pro one day? Was that something that was on your mind? Um, and even how did you end up, uh, you know, playing junior B out of the gate?
2: So I played my minor in Arthur, and uh, <laughs> we were a D team growing up, the whole <laughs> tight to midget. And yeah. then uh, when you start getting the letters in the mail. I got one from Elora, and then, funny enough, uh, – my Grand Valley hockey coach was a, uh, who was a Paul Faulkner, and he told me to come to Orangeville to come give it a try. So I said you know, I had a choice between Laura or Orangeville, and I decided to go to Orangeville because there's the Junior B and the Junior A program there. And then uh, I never thought I'd <laughs> be pro at all. <laughs> I just thought Junior B would be my home, my finish there. But I guess I
1: kept going. What year is this in the NLL for you, Billy? Uh,
2: 2012, I believe I got drafted, right? Yeah, oh, you were in the six six year? 2012 Are you asking drafted. me, Billy? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it was 2012. Because you and Brad Cree years?
0: were taking a couple of the picks apart in the second round, I think, in 2012. Okay. So, yeah, this would so be... They, uh this is my sixth year then? Okay. <laughs> Get the
1: hands out. <laughs>
0: Seventh, season. Seventh season. Seventh season. You started in Vancouver. And what was that like when you, uh, you know, started out west there and um, like you say, you know, you didn't have the aspirations to play pro, but at that time, obviously, you knew that this was going to be a reality, that you were going to have a chance to to make it in the program, especially being drafted as high as you were, um, coming off a Minto Cup championship that year as well. Um, you know, what did you think once you got to the pro game? What did you think of, you know, playing at West in Vancouver and, and getting the shot to play uh, in the big leagues, so to speak?
2: Uh, well, it was actually uh, Washington. That's oh, who, that's right. That's, I was yes, there the yes. year before they went to Vancouver. Right. That's and the PR director.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doily. Well, Remember, I can edit this yeah. stuff. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah, I got drafted to Washington there, and I was flying back and forth because I had previous job uh, arrangements here, mm-hmm. so I couldn't really move out there. And uh, But, I mean, flying back and forth, I eventually got used to it, and then it was fun out there a good time good a uh, good crew a uh, good bunch of vets out there to I think start off as a rookie being under i um, like Matt Beers is there Chris Hodgson uh, Jeff Molesky guys like that which is and they were really
1: fun to play with that name Jeff Molesky reminds me a lot of you he was cut from the same cloth I liked him too yeah old school yeah uh, you're uh, Billy. You're a father of one and two. On second one on the way, or you're already a father of two? No, uh, second one's end of March coming. Has uh, fatherhood changed you at all?
2: I'd say yes, but the wife says no. A <laughs> <laughs> well, better question is, it changed her at all? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think I've calmed down a little bit, and yeah, you know, it's a little harder to, I guess, do what you usually used to do. <laughs> what do you like best about being a father? Uh, it's fun. Actually, got home from the Colorado trip and opened the door, and the, the boy comes running right to you. Daddy, daddy. It's <laughs> kind of neat. Yes, it is, <laughs> for sure.
0: Um, back to the start in Washington, not Vancouver. Um, you know, the trade uh, to Toronto, was that uh, – did that completely catch you off guard? Was that, you know – obviously like you're saying with the work situation and everything and having to fly obviously playing uh at home is uh easier on everyone but uh just maybe take us back to when the trade happened and and your reaction way back then
2: well uh it happened after the weekend we played toronto we had a back-to-back that weekend toronto philly and i know i didn't play in philly because i had stitches in my hand and uh Got in a fight with Mike Lumwalker, I guess, the, on the, the game against Toronto. And then, I think, I don't know, it was a, must have been the Tuesday or the Wednesday, I got a missed phone call from Doug Locker. I was like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I called him back, and uh, he told me I'd been traded. I was like, oh, here we go. And then uh, he told me it was Toronto, and it was the greatest news I've ever heard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Who traded for you? Who was responsible on the Toronto side for the trade? It was uh, Terry Sanderson. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, he'd liked you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No doubt about that. Now, I want to get into something that I'm reading online here, and this was brought to my attention. If you don't mind, I'm looking through (laughs) the honorable mentions on IL Indoor uh, regarding uh, the the three stars. And your name's in here. Uh, Billy Haastrauser, Toronto. One assist, ten loose balls, three cost and overs. I wouldn't say Haastrauser's leaving his agitator ways behind, but he's clearly focused on playing lacrosse, and he's doing it very well. Hmm. I'll ask you this. Are you getting soft? (laughs) No. Okay. All right, then I must be misreading this. But it was a heck of a game you had. Uh, You have uh, had a tremendous start of the year, and I can certainly take note of the fact that you are certainly way more involved in transition than you have been in the past. Is that just something uh, you feel more comfortable out there with the ball, or is it something you're being directed to do? What is it? I think it's just, yeah, being more comfortable with the ball.
2: Um, I think I used to turn it over a lot my first few years, but I guess uh, growing up and getting older and stuff and I can
1: finally play with the ball. Is the directive from the team to push the ball more as a t te- as a unit, as a defensive unit?
2: Yeah, I think so. There's there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. But uh you don't wanna I don't think you wanna give up goals to get a training goal. That's my perspective.
1: I agree.
0: Now, back to what uh, Doily was just reading through there in the comment about being focused more on playing lacrosse. We've talked about how, you know, you're a bit of a throwback player in just the way that you play, and and you've talked so much about team first and family. You know, do you feel that you're playing any different?
2: No, I don't think so. I think it's just uh, there's not as many guys in the league now that are kind of Agitators, I guess you'd call them. That's a
1: good way to put it. Now is <laughs> I that are right?
0: Now is that a label that you enjoyed, embraced?
1: This is what it is. Dislike it? <laughs> no, I
0: don't. I don't hate it. But yeah. I mean. Yeah. Do you wish there were more willing uh, dance partners <laughs> around the league? Still, is it something uh, you
1: miss doing? A tough
0: question. <laughs> that
2: is a tough I question. don't want to
1: say yes, but I don't want to say no. I think mean, he's really eager. You're going to fire him up or he's going to go find one and practice. Tonight.
0: Well, I mean, you just hear like, you know, a lot of times when um, guys are done playing that have played that role in, in different sports, I think we probably draw on hockey a little bit more is that, you know, when they knew that there were guys, when they knew that they were going to have to fight, essentially, right? Or they're going into ranks and they know that, you know, you've got a bit of a different. Mindset, knowing that, yeah, you're going out there to play, but there's also a very good chance that there's a guy probably almost as tough as you or tougher, you never know, that is going to be ready and willing to engage you. And there's a different, I think, mental preparation from what all these guys talk about going into those types of games. And, you know, with less guys willing to be on the other side of that, you know, does has that changed any of your preparation going into games, knowing that, you know, you don't have certain guys on the other side of the uh the floor that are ready to do that
2: uh no i i've always wanted the game just think i'm going to play the game i never thought i was i never planned to fight ever right i just you know just be ready if you need to go get the boys fired up or
1: you know stick up for a teammate i think the unique thing about billy and all the time i've known him and i can't speak for him before i knew him but i've never seen him fight without a reason You know, so that I think the mentality you're talking about, I don't think fits the mold for Billy perfectly because, like he says, he's just ready to play the game. And when Mm -hmm. called upon, like, whether whatever the circumstance was, whether it was sticking up for a teammate or getting the team rallied up, yeah, uh, there was always a point to it. And, you know, I I can speak to that. And, And that's a tough thing to find somebody that can play but is willing to do that whenever needed. So, Uh, yeah really a a unique situation and you'll probably be happy if you never have to fight again that means there's no reason for it but you know Mike and I can't say that for sure so you know that team first mentality I think is key and I think a lot of young kids could learn from that it goes beyond understanding why people fight and I think that's a neat thing for kids to learn not kids but younger players to understand why he does what he does and uh, you know I didn't know it growing up I had no idea about it until I met some folks from Orangeville that helped explain it to me. Rusty Kruger is one that you know, I could never figure out what on earth he was doing. And then, you know, it slowly came around to me and I learned a lot from it. So,
0: hmm. Well, Billy, we've uh, got a big one coming up here on Friday night against the Georgia Swarm. A chance to uh, get a little bit of revenge against a division uh, opponent after uh, the only loss so far this season for the Toronto Rock. A one-goal loss earlier uh, the home opener uh, back a couple of weeks ago. So, um you know what uh what are you looking forward to about this game on friday and you know is this a situation also where you guys are kind of riding the confidence here of these last couple of wins in the friday night and uh hoping to get one on the swarm a team that uh you know the rock has struggled against over the last few years
2: yeah definitely be a good test for us after uh losing to them in that close game the first time um just go back to the drawing board there and look at a few
1: you know, minor
2: misplays, I think, and clean those up, and it's going to be another close game.
1: First place on the line, correct? Yes. Yeah. That's great. What a better way to spend a Friday night. I'm looking forward to watching the game. Good luck, Billy. I'll be rooting for you, as I always do. All right, Billy. Thanks a lot for joining us, and uh,
0: we'll do this again soon. Thank you. All right. Billy Hostrauser, defender with the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back with Rock head coach Matt Sawyer in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle. We now welcome in Toronto Rock head coach Matty Sawyer. Maddie, how are you doing?
3: Good. Good to be here.
0: Now we kind of talked a little bit about this in the opening of the program. That uh, you know, in your post-game quotes after the win on Saturday night, um, you know, I did ask you about you know the confidence level of the team. And the fact that, you know, Dylan Ward was playing phenomenally well, you weren't getting the results, but the team stuck with it, and there wasn't really any panic at all that set in. Colin said he may have panicked in that situation <laughs>
3: <And> I, <laughs> when I he also saw said, how well Dylan Ward was uh, playing. As a player or a coach or
1: both, both. yes. <laughs> I mean, you, I, it was nice of you to toe the line and tell us or tell Mike that, yeah, you, you just knew it was going to come. You stick with it. <laughs> I can't buy that.
3: There's no way well i I don't know if I said I knew it was going yeah, come, maybe not no but, but uh, there wasn't
1: panic
0: that there was well that there, well you you know yeah. you,
3: you can in that situation, you have to you know as boring as it sounds, stick with it, but uh, you know from playing like that you know we felt like we were carrying the play and and maybe we should have had more separation than uh, than we did, but we didn't, so what are you gonna do in that situation other than stick panic. with it and keep you know, <laughs> keep keep plugging away and and um you know what I really like there is um you know, we lost the lead in the second half there, I think we went down 8-7, right, and um, I mentioned that to the guys in the room afterwards, it could have been uh, a couple of times in that game when we started feeling sorry for ourselves, maybe we should be, uh, have a lead or, or have some more separation, but that's the one thing that's been consistent here over the four games with this group, um, I mentioned that too in uh, in Buffalo in the opener when we were down 5-1, um, you know, so that's, it's good to see from a coaching standpoint, uh, kind of very professional, and we don't get too excited when we're up, and And so far, we haven't got uh, two down when when things aren't going our way. So um, that's a positive. Sign of a good team. Indeed.
1: I'd have been yelling at everybody. Would have been (laughs) shooting the ball, hogging it.
3: (laughs) Well, if I yell, they don't really listen, so it doesn't matter there. Well,
1: kudos. It's good. You can keep your composure in that. You're right. They did do a great job because they should have been up much more. And they did carry the play. So that's a, that's a real good road win. Mike and I talked about it before you got on here. An unbelievable rebound win. You took the play to them. You weren't rewarded all the time for it. But those good habits stick with it. You're going to you blow that team out next time. So it's real good. Um, quick question for you here. Uh, you had a tremendous amount of success in junior with the Northmen. And uh, you've been here now as the head man. This is your second year. Third. Third year. What was the biggest adjustment from coaching kids to coaching men?
3: Well, um, to be honest, it's it's the way, I guess, you you deal with them, Um, you know, with uh, with the kids. And and when you have them in junior, um, you know, they have uh, no choice but to uh, kind of buy in and and listen to you. And, and, um, you know, it's all about... uh, building relationships and and when you're dealing with men, um, you know, you have to uh, definitely change your style. Just let you change your style from each uh, each individual. So, um, you know, I'd like to think I'm a little bit uh, uh, calmer now and, and um, you know, um, can uh, uh, just uh, in communicating with the guys, it's just a different style and a different approach and obviously I've evolved as a coach too, right? Um, and a lot of that success we had in Orangeville, uh, you look at those teams, too, and um, I don't want to say how could you not, but, uh, you know, we had real good teams there, and um, I know myself, I'm a much better coach now than I was then, that's for sure, but the, the main thing would be, um, you know, how you get your message across and, and um, you know, just communicating with, uh, with men versus uh, kids.
1: Did you have to learn a hard lesson in that, or did you know it going in that that was going to be the adjustment? Did you prepare for it, or did you have to learn a hard lesson in in some of your past dealings and, and figure that out on the run?
3: Yeah, you know, um, you know, one thing I learned it and actually came in uh, first opportunity in Boston. Um, you know, I think. Uh, uh you know you got to, you know i'm pretty direct and and i n- never have any problem pointing out um i guess uh, our mistakes and um you know i'm big in uh, on holding guys accountable and just had to make an adjustment there um a lot of that tr- uh, truthfully was through video and and i just learned that um you know at this level uh you're dealing with professionals they're quite uh, proud and and uh you know you need to um Gonna be careful as far as pointing out guys' mistakes. In the end, you want everything to be a, a bit of a learning uh, experience because everybody makes mistakes, and um, the only way to get better is to uh, to view them and learn from them. So, again, it's just a delivery. But uh, you know, looking back after that first year in Boston, um, you know, I learned that uh, I couldn't be as quite as direct as I used to be.
0: Talking a little bit about the confidence level of this team, kind of back to where we uh, where we started off here. The two wins we talked about off the top of the show, the last two wins have been very different, both by a goal, but you have a different feeling after those two games, for sure, in terms of how your team played. Do you see that that has also trickled down i think to the players? you know Did you feel that you know the the guys themselves recognized that those were two very different wins
3: yeah i 'm sure they do. Um, you know I made a point last Tuesday of uh, of um, before practice just of telling the guys what I thought of that win against uh, Philadelphia because um, I wasn't too pleased after the win in the dressing room put it that way as a coach a lot of times you're always thinking about what we didn't do and you can get caught up and, and wrapped up in that and that game wasn't pretty by any means but um, you know when you look at, uh, back at it um, you know it was a heck of a win especially the way it came um, so know we just tried to emphasize that uh, good on them obviously we need to be be better than that uh, week in and week out but um, you know there's a saying good teams find a way to win uh, ugly games and and that one sure was ugly and we came out of it with a win and that hasn't always been the case so um, immediately after that uh, Philadelphia game as a coaching staff we weren't too pleased, that's for sure, but uh um, you know, pleased with the result. And and that happens a lot of times the other way too, uh, when you feel that you uh, you played well and performed well and, and you're not successful, so you gotta pick your spots.
0: It is it almost feels like now the way the schedule lines up, you've had the you know, you've kinda had the ugly win. You've had the very satisfying win where you had to get it out, and now you've got Georgia coming up here on Friday. It's almost like it's hop, skip and a jump here where You know, beating Georgia coming up this Friday. I mean, you piece these last three wins together, and you've kind of had a little bit of everything potentially. If I guess we get to the third win, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But I'm just saying that you know this could be the start of again. And I know we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But you're getting ahead of yourself. Storylines, right? Storylines. Well, just you know, you're. It's one of those things where you know maybe down the road you look back in hindsight and go, wow, you know the the ugly one, the one we gutted out played well and then getting over that hump that team that we've talked about on and on that you kind of need that team that you gotta be always kind of chasing down a little bit and then get over that hump and the opportunity is there for you on friday
3: yeah um for sure and um you know, uh, there, there's uh, George has been uh, been tough on us over the last couple of years. There's no hiding from that. But uh, we also feel we played real well against them. But uh, we haven't had much success. So, um, you know, they're the best team in the East. They have been over the last two years. And um, you know, that's somewhere we're trying to get. And uh, we got another crack at them. Uh, on this Friday night but in the same at the same time you can't get wrapped up and consumed with it you know um, there are three of our 18 games so we have 15 other ones so um, but we uh, you know we're excited about Friday night and and um, we've had a lot of real good games against them and it's about time we come out on the right side of one
1: change gears a bit here all right who's the greatest player ever to come out of Orangeville
3: oh my goodness he's saying Orangeville <laughs> I'm saying Orangeville native or played? Gotta be native. Yeah.
1: Native of Orangeville, and we don't have to go back any further before you started watching. So we'll 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 s guess the Northmen weren't around. When did they start?
3: Uh nineteen seventy eight okay. was uh you know, the first so
1: you have a good handle on this. Mm-hmm. You're at the you're at a good age. Who's the greatest player to come out of Orangeville? Well it's, uh, Josh Sanderson for sure. Good.
0: Hmm.
1: That's excellent answer. Now I'm you, you tried
0: to put a, a qualifier on that you were born and bred versus just played in Orangeville. So yeah, is there a, so who's the the one the one B to the one A here?
3: Well, I played uh, you know um, played with Josh uh, in my junior years and and um, you know watched him growing up. I'm a little bit older, so there's an overlap there of a couple of years where we got to play together. So I got to experience that. And, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of great players come out of uh, Orangeville and, and um, you know, good goaltenders as well. But, you know, Adam Jones was uh, was a heck of a Junior A Northman and, um, you know, he uh, scored, I think it was 198 points one year. At the start of the year, I challenged him to get 200, 100 in the regular season and 100 in the playoffs. And I think he went 99 and 99. But, um, you know, he had a heck of a career in Orangeville. And, and Jeremy Noble, Nick, uh, Nick Rose, they were great uh, junior Northmen. But it's, uh, um, you know, the best player to uh, come out of Orangeville would be Josh Sanderson. And Adam Jones would be right beside him. But he's known soundboy.
1: Hmm. Let's stay in that timeline.
3: Who did you think was better, Paul or Gary Gate? Whew. They were both real good. Um, you know, there was a time when you can't, uh, uh, you know, he couldn't uh, defend either one. They could pretty much do whatever they wanted. But, um, you know, so I don't know. You're, uh, you're splitting hairs there if you're picking them. Who did, always, you, who did you think was better? Paul was my guy, yeah.
1: I, you know, and I, I never knew why. But I, I have an affinity of asking people this question because those of us who grew up seeing them all the time, I, yeah. I feel like most people ha- are on one or the other. Yeah. And it's strange because really there was nothing separating the two. But I I always feel like people, uh, players from our generation, um, you a little bit before me, and then my generation, they've always got an affinity for one of the two players, and it's it's always fascinating. And obviously, the two greatest players of all time, no questions asked. But well, maybe there are
3: questions asked, but we won't have that conversation today. But yeah,
1: Paul was. I always admired Paul
3: more, and I never knew why. They're both uh, they're both great players. It would be tough to pick one for sure. So. Um, you know, I'm going to put them both side by side. Play it safe. I like that.
0: Were they the guys that you idolized growing up? Clear cut?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No question. I I, I didn't I, watch them a ton,
3: though. No. I mean,
1: no. I, well, you know, imagine growing up without YouTube and Twitter and everything yeah. else. I mean, a lot of what made them so fascinating was it was Folklore. You just heard about things yeah. they were doing. The air gates. The air I when you first heard about the airgate The around yeah. the world. Yeah. You know, you heard about these things, but you could never see them. Mm-hmm. And you know i think that made it all the better and you know having been the first two to really go down there and kill it the way they did and then the exposure and everything else but had they been in our generation now with with social media and everything the way it is i mean my goodness it would be
3: it would be a sandstone it'd be huge i loved um you know back to we were actually talking about it on the on the bus um back in the mll days right so your kids growing up and i remember you know myself ryan sanderson chris sanderson kind of the you know the lacrosse junkies in town. We'd always have to find somebody who had the big satellite dish because ESPN yeah. would do a, a game of the week, and you get to go watch everybody playing their their speedos and and uh, I loved watching. They're um, not speedos; they're spandex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speedos. That would be interesting, hey, right? Yeah, uh, I love watching Tom Marichuk. Yeah, his yeah. just his stick work and what uh, what he could do. And
1: um, that's a great point. I yeah. would make the argument, and I still do now. John Grant, in my opinion, has since passed him, but I, I said that the best stick that I've ever seen was Tom Marichuk. He was far more gifted than Paul and Gary with his stick. Yes. I agree with you, but he just did wasn't blessed with six three two twenty-five four two speed. But man, he was a magician was, with that stick. He was fun. Yeah, right?
3: He was fun to watch for sure.
1: I could still remember him even coming into the ACC and he had a him and Whipper had a they had a, a, a real bad relationship, man. They were always at each other. And Tommy would score like a behind the back or a around the world. And it would be the sickest goal you'd ever see. And he'd just eyeball Whipper on his way out. And he would drive Whip nuts to no end. But, oh, could he score in some really unique ways. He was incredible. I agree there. Sorry, Mike. I got us off topic. All right. Yeah, topic. we did. No, all that's right. great stuff. That's good stuff. Um,
0: all right. So uh, let's wrap it up there. Big game Friday night against Georgia. Obviously, everybody hoping for the best. And, uh Matty, thanks for joining us, and we'll do this again soon.
1: Well, hang on a second. Oh, sorry, what do, you, what do you want to get into? If I understood this correctly, you've already kind of set it up. We've already got the win. Oh. and we're
3: <laughs> That's Mike saying
1: that. Yeah. The storyline yeah. yes, okay. was written. Yes. Yeah, no, let's <laughs> make that clear. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's not Maddie. No. This is line. Mike. Mike yeah. has basically was told written. us that the way it's written, we're yeah. going to grab that win. I believe we are. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to a great game. Let's go grab first place. All Should right. be a good
3: one. There's been a lot between us. Okay. Thanks, Matty. Take care. Thank you, Matt. All right. We'll uh, take a
0: short break here, and we'll be back to wrap it up in just a moment.
3: The devil went down to Georgia. He was
2: looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind, and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too, and if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now, you played pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better. Welcome back
0: to Toronto Rock the Total boy, Access. Mike Hancock and Collins Doyle. We will wrap up sin, the show here over this final segment, and we will been. talk a little bit about the game coming up this week. Uh, so let's dive right into it Friday night. Uh, the Georgia Swarm are back here. Second visit already to Toronto this season. Uh, this is a team that the Rock have struggled a great deal against in terms of. The wins and the losses but all the games have been close so i think when you say you're struggling against a team you're just so close to getting over that hump but that's a team that again has pretty well determined uh your fate over the last couple of years so um you know everybody's talking about this being a great game it's going to be close again all that kind of stuff that sometimes leads me to believe that it just it won't be <laughs> because Usually we never we just expect way. it to be you know what we've seen before but again all signs kind of point to that so what are you drawing out of the colorado game that gives you confidence or is there anything that you're drawing out of that colorado game that is giving you confidence moving into this friday against
1: georgia offensive flow a great power play aggressiveness on offense aggressiveness on defense those things got me excited and offensively it there wasn't an issue last time georgia was in town we had a great game offensively so i think do that again continue to find what you are offensively be aggressive robbie adam and tommy with the ball on your stick get after defenders because nobody can guard them one-on-one force help make the right play And continue to be super aggressive so I love that I loved our power play and again I think our defense has been so good the last few they're going to have to be because they're gonna be tested this is where the game was kind of won or lost last time around Um, so I think the big onus is on everybody and again this is a game where Poulin has an off night or Rose has an off night it's a five goal game one way or the other I mean there's so many things that can go wrong to prove that it won't be a great game but we are hoping and everything points in the direction this is the game for first place this is two great offensively offensively gifted teams. I expect to see lots of goals, and I expect to see a close game, and I'm really hoping so.
0: And just maybe even flip it, you know, you were you were in the stands as a fan at the home opener, and I know you're thoroughly enjoying watching the games from that perspective now, but, you know, even as a fan, I mean, you got to be just excited about this matchup from what's on paper, where you've got... You know the Thompsons, Schreiber, Jones, Hellier. You've got some of the absolute best players in the world going head to head here Friday night at the Scotiabank Arena, and I think you know that's got
1: to excite people as just purely as a fan of the game. Without question, I mean this. <laughs> these rosters, I mean, any chance you get a chance, and I'm gonna, I'll stay on this all year long. Any chance you get a, to see Lyle Thompson, you go watch him play. He's magnificent. But Randy Stats is a magician with the stick. And I I think he's an incredibly offensively gifted player that does all the little things right. Um, I think, you know, again, both goalies can be outstanding. And Poulin's incredibly athletic and makes amazing saves. Uh, But you get to see Schreiber, who every week becomes better and more accustomed to the box game. And, again, if Robbie's super aggressive the way he was, he's unstoppable and he's he's magic out there with the ball. So, yeah, I think as a fan of the game, you want to be in Toronto on Friday night to watch this. And, I mean, we need to root these guys on. We need to find – and this sounds hokey, but we need to find a way to beat this team. We had this discussion two weeks ago, three weeks ago. They've got to do it. They don't need to change their mentality. You can't go in, well, this week we really got to beat Georgia. It's not like they haven't said that. I think it's tying a couple things down, like Billy said, alluding to that. Have a look at the film. Understand where you can get a goal or two back and understand how you can score one or two more. And uh, you're on the right end of that. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting. And like I said, I can't speak highly enough about their offense, and I love our offense. So let's talk a little bit more about, because uh, we have a little
0: bit off uh, off air, so to speak, but also a little bit more about the secondary scoring with the Toronto Rock and, and where those where those numbers need to be. And a lot of times in this league you know you want to say 10 or 11 goals against is kind of probably where you want to be uh on most nights but is there on the other side of it you know you're always going in saying i want to score more goals than the other team but is there as an offensive unit is there a number that you know you ever walked into the game and said you know This is the number I feel comfortable with. This is what we need to win this game. Is there a number that pops into your head more specifically about Georgia and and where the offense needs to get to this
1: weekend? Well, if history is telling us anything, it's that 13 to 15 threshold with these guys for sure. But in my day, you'd go into Rochester and say, geez, eight might be enough tonight. So I'd never really put a number on it. But I think as a fan, you can look at this and say – we're gonna to have to score some goals to win this game. This is certainly a different dynamic than it would be when you play some other teams because they can score and they're going to score. Limit your power. Limit your power plays against. Do not let them get going on their power play. It's deadly. Um, you know, find a way to negate some of what Lyle Thompson wants to do. Make his secondary guys beat you. But then you look at the stat sheet, and I'm looking at Zed Williams, Miles Thomas, Shane Jackson. Uh, sorry, Miles Thompson, Holden Katoni, like six, four, six, five. You know, three and one and three from some backdoor guys. They have good secondary scoring. They're going to score on you. So even a great defensive effort probably holds them to ten or eleven. So you've got to find a way to beat that. And I think it's doable. I think we can. We've had some success against their defense in the past. But yeah, if I had to put a number to it, let's say thirteen is a number that I think can win us the game.
0: And one guy actually, you just threw that name out there, Shane Jackson. When you talk about secondary scoring, uh, he was zero and one. In the first game against uh, Toronto, that's where you have to say, you know, you you let those other guys beat you or or maybe do the damage, but then you sit there and they might beat you.
1: <laughs> you know, you like, gotta roll the dice. Yeah, which what you can't do is let Lyle Thompson beat you again. Right. Um, that that's just what I think. And and again, I'm not telling anybody something you don't know. Lyle Thompson beats everybody, so there's a lot taller order there because you know, obviously, if you're Paying more attention there than, you know, Randy Stats gets free or or Miles gets free. Zed can shoot the ball extremely well. That's why they're so deadly. That's how you want to build an offense. And when I talk about secondary scoring, this is what I want the rock to become. You know, you want that feeling that no matter what, whoever gets that shot on net, if we make a mistake, it's going to be in the back of ours. Saskatchewan and Georgia have done an amazing job. And I've been on some teams in the past, 05 comes to mind, where you don't have a game plan you share the ball you make the right play and you just trust that everybody can score and i think that's deadly offensively georgia and saskatchewan have mastered it and i think the rock can get there uh in those games where your top guys aren't rolling they can still distribute the ball other guys can score when your top guys are rolling you know what i mean the doubles mm-hmm. the triples come yeah you still get the secondary guys involved what we saw last week with Philly was 5-5 five and five from Jones and, and Schreiber. I don't love that model. I don't think it's going to work. Look at the champs in this league in the last three or four years. Look what they do offensively. That's where the Rock need to get to. And I think right now it's on the stars playing hard every day, and it's on the secondary guys just trying to chip in a little bit more.
0: Let's shift gears here for a minute. We'll get back to the Georgia game, but I just want to pick your brain about something else that just kind of – but but. Of all the Toronto Rock teams you played on, and you mentioned off-air the 05 team here when we've been talking, and then just now uh, mentioned the 05 team, and that team had three guys over 100 points um, in a 16-game
1: schedule, I believe. And then Wilson with over 40 goals. I don't think he hit the 100-point threshold, but I think he scored, if not 40, close to it. So was that the best Rock team you ever played on? Offensively, that was the best rock team I've yeah. ever played on, no questions asked. That, that was – it was like a year of fog. Everything went as it should go. Yeah. Um, gifted players, but gifted players that had some luck run their way. And, honestly, it was – when I coach, the fluency on that offense is what I try to attain. I felt it. I know what it feels like. And I know that just catch one of Georgia are feeling that right now. Yeah. It is unstoppable. So, yeah, offensively 05 was the best uh was the best offensive team I've ever played on. 99 and 2000, we were just great teams. I think if not for a little hiccup in 01, we could have gone four straight years there and we were solid everywhere. Had the best goalie in the game and then obviously our defense was unbelievable. Good enough offense. Mm-hmm. And then when the one late in 2011 just a weird group of youth and vets and enough to get by <laughs> and uh, that hunger of losing the year before. So kind of, they're all different, but yeah, no question 05 was our best offensive team. No questions asked.
0: And I want you to now tell a story about that first game in Denver in a little bit more detail. Cause you kind of talked about it a little bit, but then we heard, I kind of heard felt like the best parts of it after we went off the air, so to speak. But you were kind of uh, talking about the first ever game in Denver and and how it all ended and and just the the chaos and whatnot. I, I think that would be a, a fun story to share with the listeners. Did you Jonathan. find the video? No, I have not. I uh, honestly I didn't reach out, but we'll still, We'll still track that down at some point. But I want to uh, let's let's hear the story.
1: Well, as I said, the place was nuts. Yeah, it was so bloody loud. I never felt like the game mattered at all. So this was in the heyday of the NLL where everything else seemed to matter except the game itself. The fans were just going nuts for everything. There was a yeah. hit, they went nuts. There was there was likely a fight. Uh, so, you know, you can and then you've also got to tack on to that brand new referees. So the yep. the expansion and we've alluded to this in the past sometimes you know the referees have a slight learning curve. So new referees, a banana's arena and if you can imagine a line change, you thought six on – we had a six on five this week, and I think the whole game was played seven on seven. <laughs> there was no rules. So when it came right down to it, I think we were tied, and it went to a sudden death over time. And uh, what happened was they scored, and literally, to my recollection and – and we'll have Bobby on at some point to, to confirm this. He, whoever scored was three feet in the crease. Little, <laughs> not three – like three steps into the crease – and then there was a pile on, and then everything came onto the field, and it was chaos. And it was to a point where we were we were on the bench, thinking there was going to be a crease call because we had been around the game some time, this group now, and. You know, time went on. They carried on, and there we were still sitting on the bench. And of course, they do their celebration, and we just look at each other. And you know, some of the old boys there, (laughs) Coil and and Development, and I think it's over. I don't think they're bringing (laughs) this one back. And there was no, uh, obviously, no crease cams or anything. There, and and I think the ref waved it off three times. (laughs) You know, they continued the celebration, and so up his arms went, and that was the game. So it was chaos. It was truly one of the most remarkable things because when we see. Denver now and the importance of that franchise of this league. You know, I can I vividly remember being there day one and the excitement around the game and how incredible it was. Uh, it was right up there with that experience. Was right up there with being at the Gardens in you know in the championship games in '99 uh, and in 2000. The the crowd was deafening and. For the early part of the Rock here, sometimes weren't quite sure what to cheer for. They just cheered for everything. And <laughs> yeah. this is what it was like in Denver. It was incredible. Do you think
0: some of that started – did you watch any of the San Diego home opener? I did Saturday not. Night? Too I, late. I, I saw a little bit of it, and I kind of felt like it might be that same thing all over again.
1: It's a good thing it didn't go in overtime because I assure you, <laughs> I assure you San Diego was going to win that game in overtime <laughs> yeah. if it went that far. But, yeah, I mean, new, new fan base, yeah. unsure of the game. Uh, the team had done a really good job, San Diego, of building up the excitement. Absolutely. You yeah. get all these people in there, they have no idea what to expect. <laughs> and then, boom, they see it. And, uh, you know, it, uh, that's hope San Diego's a model of Denver and, you know, a model of Toronto in the past as well, where yeah. you can build a fan base from this. They really get excited about it. So, you know, we've had the luxury of having pro lacrosse now in Toronto for almost. Well, Better part 20 of twenty seasons, years, yeah. yeah. So you know, maybe it's not as exciting as it used to be, but I can remember those days, and and I bet the people in San Diego felt it this weekend. You kind of get re-energized by that. Seeing this game for the first time is an incredible emotion, and uh, I remember that vividly. So we've got a big one coming up. We'll uh, get back into the uh,
0: the present here. We got a big one coming up on Friday night. The Georgia Swarm are back in town, and uh, you know the team has a chance here to go to four and one, and and get into pretty well, turn the East into quite a dogfight here. I mean, Buffalo is sitting at 3-1 and one as well right now, as well as The Rock. Um, but <clears throat> how do you not get too far ahead of yourself here? Because a win a win puts The Rock at 4-1. And, and last year we saw this same Toronto team shoot the lights out for four games in a row and score over 80 goals over four games, and it looked like it was going to be jump on board we were talking about on the podcast here how many guys are gonna have over 100 points are they gonna match the 05 team like this was you know we thought you know we've stumbled upon something great and you you sit there and you think i think four and two after the first six and then you finish eight and ten so while it is obviously very important and just a good overall feeling to put these wins in the bank at this time of year how do you i guess avoid what happened last year and not get too far ahead of yourselves in terms of you know realizing that this season's still got a few months to go here after this
1: weekend well hopefully they all learned from last year as you did (laughs) yeah correct (laughs) that that is correct so it's a long year and this is on the captain and the veterans and the coaching staff to to kind of keep things in perspective this isn't the season this week you know everybody wants them to beat georgia we hope they do um, if they don't, you move on at three and two and you, you work, you play next week. So uh, I don't know what their approach is going to be. Uh, that's for them to decide. Um, this is a long year. And it's the same reason, you know, after this weekend, it'd be so easy to count Rochester out or it'd be so easy to get on the New England bandwagon. You know, you got to let this thing unravel a little bit, and you're starting to see some tendencies, but I don't think you can put all your stock into what you've seen so far. Things will change. Teams are an injury away. Teams are a slump away. You know, for Toronto, I mean, we, you saw that firsthand last year. They were banging the ball in the net there, and then all of a sudden it dried up. They couldn't score to save their lives. So nobody knows why those things happen. Stay focused on this week. Go out and give a great effort at home and try to get the win. And then, you know what, win or lose, next week's going to be staring at you no matter what. So I think it'll be important for Challen and his leadership group, and it'll be important for Matt and his staff to remind them of that, but they should be super excited because this is first place on the line, and that doesn't happen all the time, so you you can beat a team you 've had trouble with in the past, you can get a share of first place or you can have first place all alone, and you can send a message so I'm sure they're they're thinking the same thing
0: all right okay well that'll uh I think we'll wrap things up there for the show. Uh, we got to thank our guests, Billy Holstrauser and Matty Sawyer uh, for stopping by as well. We have to remind everybody uh, a few ticket things uh. Coming up here, pro-rated season tickets are still on sale this week up until uh, Friday night's game. So you've got an opportunity still to uh, lock in the same grade seats for the final seven regular season home games. And with your pro-rated season ticket, uh, the first home playoff game is also included in that price. And you get all kinds of great benefits as well with that. As well, uh, we've got a few packs on sale. The Pride Pack, the four-game pack. Um, There's lots of different options. Head to TorontoRock.com. Get yourself some tickets, and like we're saying, this Friday night is um, you know this Friday night and the following home game, Friday February the first against the Saskatchewan Rush. Two uh, unbelievable matchups where you're going to see some of the best players in the world uh, on the floor competing against each other. So if you're going to come to a couple games, I would say uh, those would be two. I would highly recommend coming to is this Friday and
1: the first and Colin you'd like to if nothing else (laughs) buy some tickets get into the rink and boo Rosie that's kind of what it (laughs) it, it, that's that's what we do but you know what I feel like I feel like there's a lot of love for Rosie in
0: the building as the game's going there may be pockets of people that you know don't kind of that will never understand his goaltending style and will never be happy with it
1: I was being facetious of course Get really to these next. I
0: feel like there's some love.
1: There's some love. There's going to be some love. Yeah, they're going to keep building towards it. Get to these next two, next two games. You're going to see two of the best offenses in the league, and probably five of the best, five of the top twelve players in the league over the next two home games. Get there. They're incredible to watch.
0: All right, and next week we will have Doyle's top twelve players in the world.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> why did I pick twelve? I
0: don't know. That's why I said you I got think, a think list I was allowing myself out. some slush here because <laughs> if I forgot something, so whoever the fifth guy is, I guess is number twelve.
1: Macintosh, Matthews, Rubish, Schreiber, Lyle. There's five. Church. Leave it with me. I'll have more next week. Okay.
0: All righty. That'll about do it. Make sure you get your tickets for Friday night, torontorock.com or ticketmaster.ca or the Scotiabank Arena box office on game day right up until the game. Lots of ways to get tickets. Make sure you're there. For Colin Doyle, I'm Mike Hancock saying, in the meantime and in between time, that's it. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is over and done with. We will chat next week.